this is Meat Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. And I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to keep in touch with the show or you want to get in contact with the show as it's happening or in off hours, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email. Email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. We missed them last month. Did miss him the month before, too? It was at least one month, but he's back and better than ever. Creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed. Joining us on the show, Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer, competition pitmaster extraordinaire, content creator extraordinaire, the list goes on. So we will talk to Malcolm. And I know you folks are going to crap on me for doing it, but we haven't talked to Malcolm I think since he recapped his experience at Malcolm uh, at Malcolm in May, which it just might be, we'll talk about that too in a little bit. Memphis in May, so that was in June, but I think we missed him in July. But nevertheless, he's back. We're going to talk about Memphis in May, extended through however much of the segment it makes sense to, and then we'll get into some other topic, what he's been cooking lately, things like this. And that'll bring a end to Malcolm's segment. Then 35 past the hour, we'll be joined by a friend of the show, quarterly recurring guest. Also a Barbecue Central Show's guest, Hall of Famer, my pal and creator of Another Pint Please, Mike Lang, rejoins the show. In 18 days from now, in the booming metropolis of Hartville, Ohio, 2023's Grill Fest will take place. I will be emceeing this event. Mike Lang will be doing live demos, like actually teaching you how to cook live and in person on stage. He will also be slinging food and other such treats over at the Weber tent, cooking on all of their grills and griddles and everything else in between. So we'll talk a lot about that event. 
We'll also talk about how his move is going uh, off of his content deck. And he is also creating a content studio of sorts. There was a pole barn in his girlfriend's backyard, and they are now in the midst of converting that into a content studio, which we've checked on him with as far as progress is concerned the last few times he's been on. So we'll get the latest update on that and some other topics as well. That'll bring a close to the first hour, and then we'll move to the second hour because it is the first Tuesday of a brand new month. In the second hour, who is it? You know. Cooking sensation, Sam the Cooking Guy, as the name would indicate. We got a lot to talk about. We just happened to have an impromptu phone call a few hours ago, realized there's even more to talk about. Now, the issue... Some call it an issue. The situation that we're going to find each other or ourselves in is I have an outline. I added these topics that we brainstormed when we were on the phone a few hours ago. There's a very good chance we won't get to any of them. We will try, as always. Maybe we'll get to a few of the items. We'll see. But you know it's going to be fun and frivolity. If nothing else, fun and frivolity ensues. And then 35 past the hour in the second hour. We will reload who was supposed to close the show last week, but he was indeed a no-show and a self-admitted no-show. We've reloaded him. Why not? Because we were supposed to have a visit with our old pal Chad Ward. However, he was not able to do it. Something came up, which I totally understand. I'm not going to get into his business, but we will reload Chad as he is able to down the road, but he's definitely coming back on, and we wish him well. But Charlie Eblin from Single Tree Barbecue will try to come out of the bullpen yet again. He has the links. He has the time. We've coordinated time zones, all that fun stuff. So fingers crossed Charlie doesn't shine on me again because two times, shine on me once, shame on you. Shine on me twice, shame on me. So we'll see how the show ends here this evening, and that's how it lays out. Malcolm Reed and Mike Lang, first hour. Sam the Cooking Guy and Charlie Eblin in the second hour. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, X, TikTok, and Snapchat. Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. We also say good evening to those of you watching through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch on YouTube, which is YouTube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. And of course, we do have a new YouTube poll question of the week. And I'm asking you all of this. If you had the opportunity to taste it, would you voluntarily try cellularly cultivated beef? And currently, 78% of you are saying, hell no nah to the no nah, nah. Ain't going to do it. I'm saying voluntarily, not force-fed. And almost 80% are saying no way. So we'll ask Malcolm, we'll ask Mike, we'll ask Sam. If Charlie shows up, bless Charlie, and we'll continue to update you through the show. And I've been very good the last two weeks, even giving you final percentages, which I have never done in the months that we've been doing YouTube poll question of the week. But I am starting to really ratchet up the level of professionalism, the likes perhaps we've never seen here on the show. So in saying that, let's start here tonight. The topic of meat that is not generated from the ways we are accustomed to struck a bit of a nerve. Not in a bad way, but in a, I would certainly like to know more about the process type of way. And by the way, I agree with those of you who say that 
I'm not interested in immediately discounting cellularly cultivated meat. However, I certainly don't want to chase it down at the expense of putting generations and generations and generations long beef producers out of business. And perhaps the more realistic view of this, at least as we sit here tonight and in this country, is seeing where this method of raising beef can supplement what we are able to do already with our current farmers. So there's a few big factors here that will generate how this turns out in the end, at least here in the States. Number one would be how does it taste and what is it being compared to? If you can get an identical or close to it flavor through the available cuts that we know, then you've cleared a crucial hurdle, number one. Number two, and perhaps more importantly than taste, like we talked about last week with Tom Remley, cost is going to be the biggest driver of what kind of success cellularly cultivated meat sees here, at least in the States. So if you can clear hurdle number one, but it's something that is three or four times higher or perhaps even more than the traditional beef. Well, no matter how much better it is for the world, there will be no success here nationally. Sure, you might have very small or hyper-regional pockets of success, but it's not something that big commercial success you will see traditional beef sales and where they're at currently. I do have a few more guests lined up to talk about this topic a bit. In the coming weeks and months, and I continue to chase the company's stakeholder who did send me a promotional piece of email earlier today, but are not returning my emails for interview to see if we can get someone from their side to talk about it. And then we have more of a informational status to start formulating a more educated opinion instead of either just discarding it right away or accepting it right away. As always, it was most was most with most things in life the more information we can get on a subject the better for everybody to be educated and the better we can make our own decisions and what's best for us oh by the way as far as youtube poll question of the week yes i do want to taste it i'm a big believer in tasting everything well, not everything. I'm not tasting onions. I don't want any of that. I, I've tasted onions and they're gross. We have plenty of show feedback from last week as well, but I don't have any time to get to it. So we're talking about cellularly cultivated meat. I can almost not say that. That's a verbal hurdle for me to clear. Malcolm Reed is ready to go this month. A brand new sponsor alert is called Franklin's Barbecue Pits. You ever heard of Aaron Franklin? Well, this is the backyard version of the fame pits built by Aaron Franklin for his world-famous barbecue restaurant in Austin, Texas, called Franklin Barbecue. Franklin Pits are for those barbecue purists who want to take their craft to the next level. Skillfully made by hand right here in the good old U.S. of A. with All-American Steel. They're built to last and they are built with purpose. What do you have with the Franklin Pit is a deeply thought out and refined version of the old propane style cookers that Aaron built for the restaurant. Stylistically, it reflects the bare bones, industrial handmade aesthetic he loves. 
as in the patina and the way the build allows you to see the welds and the craftsmanship. Now, the schematics of the Texas-style offset barbecue pit, relatively simple. Even if the things happening inside reflect complicated dynamics of physics and chemistry, there are very few moving parts, but there are numerous and massive differences between Franklin's Pit and the average barbecue smoker sold at the big box store. For one, much of the challenge of building and shipping these pits comes with the thickness and heaviness of the materials. This is where the value lies as well. Cheap smokers are made from thin metal, which tends to warp and crack when sustaining the kind of heat you need to make great barbecue, especially on a cold day that thin metal quickly sheds the heat and simply struggles to maintain consistent temperature. That's frustrating. The Franklin pit is 5 sixteenths and quarter inch thick American-made steel. That's, in a word, strong. Anything that sees heat is engineered to be incredibly solid should last for a century or more if cared for properly. Can't overstate important the thickness of the steel is. This guarantees professional-grade heat retention, which is key to producing good barbecue. Every Franklin pit is unique to itself, from its own patina, natural markings, even its own badge number. Franklin pits can be found at barbecue specialty stores in select regions of the country. If you're a fan of the show and you have one of those stores, visit FranklinBBQPits.com and fill out their dealer form if you're interested. If you're a fan of the show and you want to own one but you don't have a dealer near you, go to the website, FranklinBBQPit.com, and purchase right there on the website. They'll ship it right to your driveway. Remember, our pal West Wright from Cookout News has one. He loves it. FranklinBBQPits.com, new sponsor of the show. Happy to have them. And we are really happy to have Malcolm Reed coming up out of the break. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. I just used some over the weekend. Once you find the brand or the flavor that you like, go to Amazon.com or Lowe's.com or Walmart.com. Get the same great flavors. Get really great shipping rates as well. Cookandpellets.com. My next guest tonight is that been a staple on the show the first Tuesday of the month at 14 past the first hour. He is a competition pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition team. Also the co-creator of How to Barbecue Right, the YouTube channel, Associated Properties. We're welcoming back our pal, Malcolm Reed. Malcolm, great to have you back here. So YouTube poll question of the week time, because we must know, and I'm asking everybody, if you had the opportunity to taste it voluntarily, would you try cellularly cultivated beef, yes or no? I'm going to say hard no. Hard, hard no. no. Well, Malcolm, you'll be happy to know that 82% of the YouTube voting public are saying hell no to the no-no as far as tasting this. So we'll see how the rest of that plays out through the show. 
I just did a read for a new sponsor of the show, Franklin's Barbecue Pits. Did you know that Aaron Franklin is now selling his brand, his own brand of offset barbecue pits? I've seen them, but I haven't seen them in person. So I've kind of heard of it. I didn't know. I mean, that's it's very interesting. You know, we need another good stick burner pit for the backyard guy on there for sure. So I'm going to have to take, I'm going to visit the website and check them out, man. I was going to say, your guy who not only is a YouTube star and a successful competition cook, but for the folks that don't know or just might be tuning in tonight down there in Hernando, you have a barbecue store where you're selling rubs and cookers dealer for certain things. So this could be something that's right up your alley. Well, with my stuff, you know, I don't have a huge store, so it's really stuff that I use and that I stand beside and the people, you know, people that come in here, usually they're coming as more of a fan experience. So they want to see stuff that I cook with. And so, if, you know, if I put my seal of approval on it, I, I don't mind selling it. So that's kind of the way I've went. Well, if you're interested, you let me know. I happen to know a guy who can make an introduction. See, from a, a store standpoint, I would imagine space is always limited, no matter how big the store is. So I would imagine they want you to bring in at least once to have it be a showpiece as people walk in, touch it, feel it. I'm sure it does a lot for selling like a lot of the other grills do. So uh, is space always a premium in the shop? Oh, yeah. You know, our, our shop's pretty small, so um, I have a few lines of smokers that I sell, but, you know, I'm always, always looking. All right. So Malcolm rejoining us here on the show, how to BBQ right.com, the website. And I know a lot of people don't want me to talk about this anymore as far as the topics are concerned, but I have to get your opinion on it because I know how much you like the event. I know how much the event means to you and how you've been doing it for so many years in a row, that being Memphis in May. Here's what we know so far and whatever, you know, new that I'm not talking about, please jump in and tell me. What we do know is it's not going to be in Tom Lee Park anymore. That's been made very clear by the CEO of Memphis and May, James Holt. How big of a deal is it to you that the event won't be at that specific location anymore? Well, I mean, to me, that was what Memphis and May was. We've had a couple of years where we've had to move that venue, and it's just not the same barbecue contest with the ambiance of being you know, right downtown, right there on the banks of the river. That's what Memphis and May really is. And I'm sure there's going to be a contest. I mean, the writing was kind of on the wall there for the past couple of years. We knew that when they said they were going to change that part, the word got out that they were going to try it one more year. That was They said it was a rumor. And then after that year, they were going to make a decision. Well, I think they did it to prove that, that it's not going to work. And so I think they knew going all along. Um, I think the problem is that, you know, Memphis and May and the city of Memphis and the people that did that re- development they don't all work together uh you know it's all separate entities. they don't really they really care barbecue contest it feels like which is sad because it does so much for the local businesses in memphis tourism all the money that it brings downtown from people you know people shopping people getting hotels people going out to eat it's not just a gate fee for people for tourists coming in uh you know and it means a lot to all of us cooks that have been cooking it for so many years so it's it's going to be, you know, it's sad. It's a hard pill to swallow, but I mean, there's not a, there's not a lot we can do. It's out of, it's out of the, the competitors or even the barbecue people's hands. I'm asking you to speculate here, but there was an article that ran a number of weeks ago. I think it was WREG, whoever the local Memphis paper is out there, and said that the CEO of Memphis River Parks Partnership, Carol Coletta, stated that she was surprised that there was such an issue and that Memphis and Maine might not be coming back anymore because 
she says the park was built in some type of a collective or actually she said Memphis and May requested that the park be built to this spec. They built it and now there seems to be an issue with the way that it is and the fees and the damage. Do you believe any part of that? I don't know, man. You know, you get you get all this politics brought into it and, and the people with different ideologies. So it's it's hard to speculate. I mean, it doesn't feel I mean, you know, barbecue is just one event there. And I understand they're trying to make it a destination for year round for the people that live down there to come and have a, a beautiful place right on the river. So it's I mean, as a barbecue contest, it was perfect. It's just a flat field. Well, that didn't really do anything for tourism or, you know, people didn't really have a reason to go down there a whole lot. Um, and so I, I see both sides of it. It's just, you know, it's bad that, that, that they couldn't come to some resolution or at least, you know, make it work some kind of way. And, uh, you know, we've I think we've been told that it's not going to happen. It's not official official, but I will be shocked if it's back on the river. I mean, it's, it's going to be even if they have a contest, you know, there's been some people saying this might be the end of it. So. Yeah. You know, I hope not. Uh, you know, I hate, I hate to see a contest as big as Memphis in May and, as, you know, as important it is to the barbecue world, just go away. But if it's not there, it's going to be totally different. It's just going to be, you know, a, a new contest that they're going to have to build up. So, um, I wouldn't say it's exciting to find out where it's going to be. It's, it's, it's going to be something. But I had Susie Bullock on the show a few weeks ago, asked her about how the park looked, and she said it was wrecked when she was down there. You were down there too. Yeah. Be honest. What did you think the damages oh, yeah. looked like? Uh, I mean, it was normal. I mean, I, it, it always gets wrecked. You can't move in that much equipment and trailers and drive all the machinery, you know, all over the park hauling in stuff and and not do damage in the spring, you know, in springtime like that. There's always going to be mud. It's going to tear all the grass up. Um, some of the, I understand some of the infrastructure was damaged, some of the sidewalks, some of the sprinklers stuff that they spent a lot of money on. Now, I don't know if it was to the tune of, of what they said it was because that bill was outrageous. And so, um, you know, and, and they, they made a lot of money off teams for deposits that they to, to fix it. But uh, when, when that number came out, I was shocked because it was huge. I guess the most important part of this whole thing is if the event is going to happen next year, but it's not going to happen at Tom Lee Park, what are the top one or two or three destinations that this event can land and still be a financial winner for the event itself? Because when it went back to Tiger Lane or Tiger Alley or whatever it's called, according to reports, it was not only a financial loser, but it was a big financial loser for the whole event. So yeah. where can this go and be a financial winner? Well, they, they have some more parks in Memphis, um, you know, kind of outside the city limits where they do larger events that might work. Um, the problem being there's, you know, you don't you don't have the restaurants. You don't have the, you know, the whole lure of going downtown to Memphis to go to that contest. So I don't know if you're going to draw the crowd. I mean, you know, when you're in that kind of metro downtown area, there's a reason for people to go down there. So, you know, that's that's why people go. Um, I don't know of another place that'll draw like that. I mean, you're just going to get barbecue fans when you move it somewhere. And I think you're going to have to start over 
and find a find a way to make the event more exciting. You know, it's, it may have to be more than just a barbecue contest to draw the number of people to make make it successful. Did you make it, it into have, you know, uh, like a Windy City smokeout <laughs> type of a thing? I know there's not a contest in there, but maybe you could do some type of additional music. I know there's a blues festival ahead of Memphis yeah. in May, but maybe you could tie in another country music festival of some sort along with the contest. See, that would make total sense to me if you turn it into a big event like that, where the where the contest is part of it, but it's got to be something more. Um, you know, in that, in that Bill Street Music Festival, um, nobody's really talking about it, but for me, it's going to have to move too because they do just as much damage. A lot of that damage happens because of that festival you know, uh, two weeks prior to the bar- barbecue contest. Um, and so tying something of those together or adding some other kind of, you know, music venue, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, some kind of big event like the Rib Fest that you see in some of these other cities where the people actually pay and there's a ton of food for them and having, having a reason to go to a Memphis and May barbecue event, that's, uh, to me, that's what would bring the crowd, would bring the revenue that they're wanting to see and make it worthwhile. So we'll see how this plays out here over the next weeks and months. We'll give you updates on the show, of course, whether you like it or not. But if it's barbecue news, we're going to talk about it here on this show. Transitioning out of Memphis and Maine, we'll see what happens, as I had mentioned. What's with this holding brisket 12 or 15 hours after you've taken it off the cooker? I heard it on one of the most recent How to Barbecue Right podcasts, and it blew my mind as something maybe I need to try the next time I cook brisket. Well, you know, I don't know if I really hold them 15, 12 to 15 hours, but a rest on a brisket's crucial. I've went, you know, I've went six to eight hours, no problem, mm. in just a dry cooler. Uh, you know, when, when you're going into holding it for that long a time, uh, it's it's kind of taking a, a, an aspect of what they do in the Texas barbecue restaurants where they're cooking their briskets overnight and they're coming off and they're putting in these alto shams at 140 degrees and they're just letting them cruise until lunch service. And that's how, you know, it, it's, it's hard to duplicate that at home. You cook a brisket and you take it off the pit and you rest it for a couple hours, it's not the same as what they've done. They're able to take a brisket and it, and it does continue cooking. At, you know, it's not just holding at 140. It's getting super tender and it's sitting there. And so, and it's a controlled environment. And so that's what you're trying to duplicate when you hold it for an experience, uh, extended period of time like that. But you really have to make sure that you're, thinking food safety when you do it because Mm. once that internal temperature drops below 140 you're on the clock you know you've got to do something with that meat and so you can get away with it for you know six to eight hours in the right size cooler uh holding it above well above 140 degrees and it's perfectly safe but um that's the big thing i do think that it makes a better product like that brisket is super tender Mm. when it's sitting there and it's rested for that amount of time and just really Really, you know, the cooking, the hard cooking process has stopped and it's just staying warm and staying juicy and that fat's all melted. That's what makes it really good. Uh, Your buddy, Mark Williams, friend of this show, too, by the way, was talking about it on that specific podcast. It sounded like he had tested out really extreme holds and the longer he went, the better it got, according to him. Well, he's got an expensive oven. I don't know which which one it is in his house, but he can actually dial his down to that temperature. My oven won't go that low at home. I think the lowest mine will go is like 170, 180, something like that. Yeah. So I really don't, you know, I don't want to hold it that long in mine. That's why I use a Cambro or, you know, an insulated food carrier or a Yeti cooler or something like that. But if you've got an oven that'll actually uh, hold at 140, 
you've got a you've got a box just like those restaurants are using. You know, they might add a little moisture to theirs to keep the keep the humidity right in it, but really the same amount of heat they're putting. So if you have an oven that can go to 140, I, I think mine can get to 150. Am I putting a bread pan of water in there uh, to try and add humidity, or how, I mean, how do you do that otherwise yeah, to try and? That's what I would it? suggest. Just I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot of water, but just like a you know a bread a little aluminum bread tin of water would work. Just to add a little bit of moisture to it. But you got to think that brisket's really wrapped up anyway. You're just not trying to put super dry heat to it at 140. You're wanting to, you know, just a moist heat. It's not doing anything to it because that brisket's covered up. It's either, you know, wrapped in butcher paper, wrapped in foil, something like that. So it's not exposed to it. You're just wanting to keep it at a safe temperature to keep, you know, to keep the bacteria from growing that that possibly could happen once it gets below those temperatures. When you take it off the pit initially, you doing the big open, the venting for yeah. 25, 30 minutes or what? I mean, what's the how what's the uh, best time to vent? Usually, I mean, the it, it really depends on how hot you've cooked that brisket. Um, like, you know, if you've been cooking low and slow, it doesn't need to vent as long. But a lot of these guys, like Mark was talking about, they're cooking their briskets, you know, up 300, 325 degrees. So it's had a lot of heat on it. And the fight when they when they pull it out and vent it, the fibers of the meat are really kind of blowed out a little bit. You, yeah. you see them separated and pushed out at those higher heats. And as it cools off, and it does take those 15, 20 minutes, you can see them kind of suck back together. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking, you know, they're, they're wanting to let the steam off, but they're wanting to make sure it draws back a little bit, kind of closes off. Mm. That's what's going to let the moisture go back down in it instead of being pushed out to the surface. And so that's kind of what I look for. I just, I mean, I. I, I like to cook brisket at you know two two twenty five to two fifty a long load slow brisket and mine's not near as you know near as much heat on it the whole time so it doesn't take it as long just to to kind of let the steam off. You've tasted your brisket a billion times. You've tasted Mark's brisket, and he's as you had mentioned a hot and fast cooker. Is there a discernible yeah. mouthfeel or flavor difference between yours and his? Um, not on the good pieces. Well, what a, lot of, what a lot of them you don't see. What, well, what I mean, but what I mean by that is, what a lot of a lot of times you don't see. Well, these guys are cooking these briskets hot and fast in contest. They've trimmed it down to almost steak size. Yeah. It's not a whole big full pack of brisket anymore. And I like to cook them whole, connected to the point and flat. And these, you know, a lot of these guys cooking them hot and fast. They're separating it. They're taking the centerpiece of that flat out, shaping it to the shape they want. They're putting it in a tray and blowing it up with injection to where it'll stand up when they put it on that high heat and it just kind of swells up. And it's it's a perfect little rectangle of meat, you know, and it, and there's and those are good from tip to tip, but you've lost a lot of the brisket. So it's kind of, you know, it, it's it's a different approach to cooking a contest brisket as it is just a good old eating whole brisket at home. And that's typically what I cook is just a good eating brisket. You ever cooked Thor's hammer? I have one in the freezer, but I've yet to cook it. <laughs> when are we going to see it? I, well, you know, I, I think that was, you know, I don't jump on every little fad that I see on, on social media. And a lot of that was. And so something, someone, a couple of people sent me some and I just, I haven't, you know, I was like, well, everybody else is already doing it. And I'd like to do something different. So I hadn't cooked it yet, mm. but I can't imagine it being bad. You know, it's going to be slow cooked shank beef. It's got to be good. Now I'm trying to remember off of 
when we did the embedded correspondent, if we rated what's the bigger waste of money of full-blown Tomahawk steak or Thor's hammer, I think everybody voted that Tomahawk is still the bigger waste of money. Yeah. Thor's hammer would be better. Just Pryles just made a Thor's hammer, and it looked like she turned the beef into some type of a, a meat taco. I'm probably not using the right verbiage, but a little bit yeah. uh, of a different twist on a recipe that made it unique. So. That'll probably sit in the freezer again until it might come back around to trend again in a year or two. Yeah, I'll just get bored and decide I want to cook it and see what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to commit to that thing, man. It's going to take a long braise to break it down. I mean, it's a you got to think that's a tough muscle, man, on that animal. He's standing up, getting up and down, walking around on it. So it, it's a it's a long, slow cook to get that thing super tender, but it's got to be good. I imagine it's a lot like roast or you know, short rib or something like that once it's done right. Malcolm, are you still doing the fundraiser for Palmer Home? It actually ended yesterday. Oh. We you know, we we, we did a good job. We raised I think almost twenty grand this year again wow. for Palmer Home. Um, I haven't got the official word yet from the Palmer Home on, on who the lucky, you know, first place winner was, but I got an idea. It's a, a guy named Luke Trace that that had just went above and beyond, man. He did multiple, multiple fundraisers, uh, you know, selling, selling barbecue and donating his proceeds uh, from what, from his sales to that. I guess he really wanted to win that smoker bad and come down and hang out with us. Yeah, so, I guess. But I, we, I appreciate, you know, we appreciate everybody that helped us out. That's a big deal every year. Appreciate you, Greg, for helping us get the word out, man. Is it closed uh, they, off? They really put that money. Yeah, it's, it, it ended yesterday, oh. yes, uh, Labor Day. So. All right. Yeah. Well, I wish we would have had you on man, last month. We would have uh, yeah. uh, would have done something, you know, uh, crazy or loose. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I think you have Michael Simon on. He's a little bit bigger build than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you watch barbecue television or you uh, pass that? Oh yeah. No, man. I, you know, I, I try to I try to stay in the loop. You got to if you're going to be informed, and you know, I, I try to watch a little bit of everything. So yeah, I. I, I, I I, you know, I love your show. So when you have good guests on, I'm tuning in. Do you, I, didn't, I don't mind bowing down to somebody that I'm a fan of. <laughs> Do you have a, a preference of a barbecue USA versus a barbecue brawl? Um, I don't know, man. They're they're all good. They all kind of have their own things. I like the ones that do stuff a little different too. Mm-hmm. You know. Where you get you get some inside track on stuff, you know some of the Netflix stuff's really good too. So um, they're all I think they're all good. Anytime I see barbecue, which I'm into, y'all you know I'm I'm passionate about it. Yeah, I love I just love seeing it on TV anywhere that we can watch it because it's just spreading the word for all of us. So it's good. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show as he does the first Tuesday of every month, fourteen past the first hour. How to BBQ dot com is the website pitmaster of Killer Hogs team. Malcolm, always appreciate the time. We'll see you in October. Man, I can't believe it, Greg. It's years fly, no flown doubt. by, man. We'll, Q4. We'll here, here we go. All right, Malcolm, always appreciate it. Once again, how to bbqright.com, his website. If you're not subscribed, like 1.62 million of you already are over on the YouTubes, hit it up and subscribe. Mike Lang is ready to rock. Before we get to him, I'll talk to you about Pits and Spits. You tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? I'll answer for you. Yes, you are. It's time to step it up. Bring the ultimate flavor, the ultimate cooker to the backyard barbecues. And that is where Pits and Spits Charcoal Grills are offering their highest quality live fire cooking experience that you can get in the market today. 
using either wood or charcoal. Their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill to cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune that heat. It's their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grill. You see them all over the place, especially at their website, pitsandspits.com. Use this special address, pitsandspits.com slash Central. That's pitsandspits.com slash Central, and it's the double T on the pits and the spit. If you use promo code Charcoal Central at checkout, that's Charcoal Central. You get 150 bucks off any charcoal grill. If you haven't seen the charcoal grills, oh my god. Be prepared to fall in love immediately. Cry a little bit at the price. Get your 150 bucks off. Charcoal Central at checkout. But it's an heirloom piece. You're going to have it the rest of your life. Your kids are going to be fighting over it. Your great-grandkids are going to be fighting over it. Buy the best and only cry once. That's what we say here on this show. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And use promo code Charcoal Central for 150 bucks off any charcoal grill. We are back with Mike Lang right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Malcolm Reed for joining us the last segment. How to BBQRight.com, his website. You can subscribe to his videos and YouTube platform over on YouTube, which I assume would be YouTube.com slash at How to BBQRight. This segment brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your house, Fireboard integrates with most of those as well. Fireboard.com is a place to go. 816-945-2232 to ask questions or to further investigate the Fireboard if you're so inclined. And don't forget about the Spark. I was just with barbecue jeweler to the stars, Stephen DeFranco from Stephen DeFranco Jewelers earlier today, talking about watches and nonsense. And he said, "What? Is, I need to get a new instant read meat thermometer. I said, oh, do you have the fireboard? And he said, yes. I said, well, get the fireboard spark for crying out loud, because not only is it a great instant read thermometer, but it's also a one channel fireboard. So since you already have the probes, if you're just doing one roast or one piece of poultry, what have you. You have your own single-channel fireboard right there. Take advantage of it. Why not? So he was right there to order, and that's what we love. My next guest tonight appears on the show quarterly. If you follow him on social media or visit his website, you are delighted at his recipe creations, photography, video shooting skills, which he's also sharing a lot about that as well. Founder of Another Point, please. Mike Lang joins the show. Mike, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody tonight. Which is this, if you have the opportunity to taste it, would you try cellularly cultivated beef, yes or no? I'll try anything, although I probably will hate it. So you're already putting in your mind that you're going to hate it. (laughs) If you're going to try it, we're going in with an open mind. If you're not going to try it, be like Malcolm Reed and go with the hard no. No wishy-washy, so I'm going to work on you to keep an open mind especially over the next couple of weeks, because I'm going to be seeing you here. We're going to be talking about that. So I'll work on you. Not that I have 
any cellularly cultivated meat on hand to actually give you, but I'm going to work on the mind because that's most important. So look, before we get into some of the hype, which will take place in 18 days, if my math is correct, I want to follow up with you on Griddly. Still a fan? Mm. I am. I am. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, yes? Or you're starting to wane a little bit? No, uh, I, I, I like it. <laughs> A ton and I, I kind of said oh my gosh yes because the funny the one thing i've actually thought about is the cleanup is easy but it's not easy and it's one regard? of those things where you, well you've got to get on it right away in other words mm-hmm. the more you wait the less likely you are to go back and actually clean clean your griddle uh which means uh you're gonna have problems down the road so you really have to dedicate yourself to making sure food comes off for the next 10 to 15 minutes you're back out there cleaning it which kind of ruins the tempo of dinner a little bit mm. But in terms of the actual act of grill of griddling and doing it, I, I I really enjoy it. I like it. It's it's really more versatile than you might realize. So yeah, I just got my hands on one a couple weeks ago. I spent a weekend burning it in because I was getting direction from all sorts of experts telling me the griddle plate's not dark enough. Keep after it. Blah, blah. I burned through a whole tank of propane, twenty pound tank, <laughs> getting this thing to whatever the right color is. And I did my best. There were some corners of the Blackstone that would not. That still, they're way lighter, uh, the back corners, than the rest of the cooker. But I'm just chalking that up to being that's the way it is and the way the heat's flowing. But everything else is pretty good. Long way to go to ask this question. You're talking about ruining the tempo of a meal. You have to be dedicated to clean it. Uh, I have come to find this to be the case. So my question is, maybe you haven't tried it or risked it. What about just... Taking it all off, shutting it all down. Everybody goes home, go back two hours later, fire everything up on high. Do like a burn off that you would do on a gas grill. Possible or is it just too effed at that point? It's possible, but the question is, do you have time to do it? Because I don't. <laughs> when I'm done, I'm done. I'm like, I, it's like my nights are playing, my days are planned, and I'm like, okay, I don't have two hours to come back and mm. clean something. I've got to do it in the moment. Hmm. I feel like and the, I'm hypersensitive too. Don't forget. Oh, I know. Because when I'm when I'm on my any of my grills appliances, I've also got to think as far as content creation yes. and making sure when I when I create something, it doesn't look all jacked up because I want to try to nip in the bud whatever sort of negativity there is in the interwebs. So I've got to really take care in terms of how I take care of my grills and the griddles. So I just for me, it's it's getting up on it, and it, and it can be a challenge. I've watched a lot of experts on griddling the last couple of weeks, and they're talking about this cleanup. And what I've been able to ascertain is this. You can confirm or deny this. Depending on what level of involvement you are putting the griddle through. So, for instance, fried rice, no big deal. Scrambled eggs, smashed burgers. But as soon as you start introducing ingredients that would involve... uh, heavily sugar-based stuff, uh, maybe doing some type of an Asian dish and you have like teriyaki sauce going on it. So that's going to burn onto the griddle plate differently than a meat or eggs or rice, what have you. So on the smaller stuff, you can turn pretty much everything off, get all the food off, turn everything off, get paper towel, wipe it down, good to go. And But the more involved you get now, it's water bottle, now it's scraper. I might have to reseason as well. You believe that? Is that an accurate uh, videos that I'm seeing this or am I falling victim to false information? 
No, in fact, when you started down that path, I was going to say anything with a high sugar content that's going to coat that griddle, that's that's where the problem lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the easy stuff like eggs, it's simple, but you get in anything that's sugar laden and sauce heavy, that's when you've got more cleanup ahead of you. So just be prepared. But the long and the short of it is, it is a fun way to cook outside. Yep. And the kicker is outside. You're not inside messing up the kitchen, making more things you have to wash and clean. You're taking all the fun and the mess outside. And it's, I, I love it. The question last month for the embedded correspondence was, do you think that griddles will command 40% of the overall outdoor cooking market at some point here in the near future? Yes or no. What do you think? No. Hard no? And it's, yeah, it's a hard no. It's funny because I listened to that and I was really curious on everyone's response, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Because yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's like everything new. Like I think someone mentioned the air fryer. It's fun. It's new. Let's air fry things, <laughs> which by the way, great tater tots. However, things ebb and flow, but will it take over for live fire grilling outside? No, because mm. at the end of the day, I think that's easier and more approachable uh, than a griddle. There's a, certainly an area for the griddle and I absolutely do love it, but I don't think it's 40%. What's the most outside-the-box recipe you've done on the griddle? I bake cookies. Really? Yeah. You flip them? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, no, I literally baked them. Um, put them on a pan to get them up off the surface and then use the melting dome over the top of that for some convection mm-hmm. heat to cook them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it worked pretty good. I, I ate it. It was just one of those things where I was doing um, for Weber for a bunch of different ideas for the griddle, and that was one that was there, and it, it turned out pretty good. I just had a great follow-up question to this griddle stuff uh, outside the box. You were cooking. All right. Well, it's evaporated, so I got to use my notepad a little bit better than that. Here's what we know. Griddling is fun. I'm learning how to griddle more and more, getting better and better. Uh, Here it is. What temperature are you running? Are you running a lot on low? I've seen uh, also a lot of videos. Now, granted, have a Blackstone. I've watched a lot of Blackstone-related videos. I'm not going, you know, to the Weber griddle because I don't have a Weber griddle. Otherwise, I would go to that. But a lot of experts, and I'm using expert loosely because I'm just looking at number of subscribers that seems to be popular. Uh, they're saying, you know, don't don't really get into the high heat. Uh, preheat on low. Let it build and work from there. Very few occasions that you would need higher heat i would agree in fact it's funny oh. last night i fired up the griddle for smash burgers i actually preheated on low yeah because i knew i had a lot of time between when i was going to fire up the griddle to when i was going to start cooking that i knew at that lower heat once i got there i would ramp it up a little bit to get what i wanted but i had plenty of time and it, yeah. it worked great so i think it's more than just simply how high do you preheat at but also how much time you're going to spend between turning on the griddle to when you're actually going to cook Mike Lang is joining us here on the show from Another Pint. Please, you can follow him at the same handles there on social media. So in 18 days that I had mentioned, we will convene, converge, and otherwise meet at Hartville, Ohio, the mega metropolis business center of all Hartville, where we will have the 2023 Grill Fest you attended last year. I assume they were right after you to come back for 2023, considering you're a Buckeye guy. You live uh, two, three hours away from the Hartville location. Are you excited to be coming back? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was such a blast last year. And I encourage anybody that's in a, you know, a, a good drive from Hartville to come out, not only to see all of the different the grill displays and the demonstrations, but also check out Greg in person live. How about that? Uh, which, you know, it's, Draw. it's great. Yeah, no, it's great to see him on the show, but I, I think I mentioned before last year, but actually seeing you in the live setting uh, was fantastic. You were great and really moved all of the uh, demonstrations along. So it's really, it's a great time with everybody there. And I, I really can't wait to go back. What's on the agenda for your live demo? Do you have recipes already in place and perfected or are you still working? No, actually, I'm going to do a riff on what I did last year with different grills, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do a cheesy short ribbed uh, soft taco with a mango chipotle barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. It's going to allow me to use both of the the Weber Master Touch kettle for grilling the uh, skirt steak and then also the griddle for finishing off the uh, the cheesy taco. And probably the big news of it is if you're coming out, uh, Weber is going to actually raffle off a Master Touch grill. So oh. not only will you catch hopefully a great demonstration, if we don't screw things up, you'll also have the chance to walk away with a, an incredible kettle grill. So win-win. You're a big fan of the charcoal uh, summit. Do they call it the Kamado now? The Weber Kamado summit? Yeah, it's the summit Kamado now, yeah. right. Yeah. You're, you're a big fan of that. Oh my gosh, completely. Is that the one you would I take on a, on an island if you were cast away all by yourself and you could only take one cooker? Yes, I've said that many times. Mm. It was the it's the if I only had one grill and not thirty, that is the one grill that I would have because uh, it it can do everything. It's you know bigger than a standard kettle. It can actually truly smoke and hold temperature for twenty four hours. Mm. It's big enough to put a griddle on to griddle things, and of course, it's a great charcoal grill. It is the best of everything. How far in advance are you making your final preparations for Hardville. pretty easy since you're kind of doing the same thing just uh, riffing a little bit differently or is it still pretty involved yeah no it really not involved at all um for me it's it's a pretty easy setup i'll you know i will pre-do the sauce and everything uh the sales guys uh, for ohio for weber uh, will hook up with everything else so we'll meet up the morning of and uh, rock and roll so yeah it's it's really it's pretty easy you know it's like cooking dinner at home it shouldn't be too crazy uh granted we're going to feed some numbers that come through the lines for yeah. samples and everything and that's probably more of a challenge day of but with uh, the weather last year was phenomenal. I oh. hope it repeats this year. It was just, it was just, it's honestly to see Hartville number one and what they have there in terms of the actual hardware store yeah. and the grilling area with, I mean, everything under the sun. It's truly an experience. Totally agree. If you're around Hartville and you can stop by at any point during the day, you get live demos. Mike is going to be there. Uh, Captain Ron. I don't know who Captain Ron is, but he's going to be cooking on big green egg and then, uh, Daniel Bennett or DivaQ is going to be there cooking on the Traeger stuff. And there's going to be a host of other vendors there. I think this might be the most vendors that are actually set up. There's a whole vendor shoot area that's going off of where that live fire area is going into the parking lot. So they've uh, really continued to expand the footprint of this. Their vendors are really getting more involved in it. And of course, there's the whole barbecue competition that you mike lang are going to be taking part in i mean you had to try uh, 18 different ribs and 18 different pieces of pork belly maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was more like 20 something so you're right in line for doing that again this year are you excited about that yeah, no, no, we had a great time judging last year. Uh, it was it's true, it's truly an all event. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you know, there's a black box this year too, so you're going to have to eat even I more heard. this year. Yes. 
Well, that's why I will not eat until the competition, so I can truly sample everything and give my best opinion as yeah. far as who I think is the champion. All right. Uh, what's your favorite beer at the moment? Uh, right now, man, it's past September, which means uh, welcome the uh, fall porters. Anything that's a malty sort of stout, I'm I'm all aboard. You know, you see pumpkin beers hit the shelves come August. <laughs> uh, so I try to hold out at least until September 1st to try something out. But uh, yeah, it's that's definitely my wheelhouse. You pumpkin spice latte guy? No. We laugh at those people for crying out loud. I'm a house full of women here, though. Not me, of course, but... There's a house full of other women mm. here, and man, the day that switch <laughs> got flipped, it was pumpkin spice latte all over the place. They're all loading up into the car and heading up to Starbucks to start putting them in their faces. And I'm like, just give me the, you know, uh, Americano, triple uh. quad shots of Americano. That's what I like, just regular coffee, but no pumpkin spice latte. Anything else you're promoting or getting ready to release on any of the social medias or website we can be on the lookout for mike yeah no i mean uh my work for weber uh, continues abound which is always wonderful to share uh, what i'm doing with everyone across all of weber's social channels uh and videos and reels and you know the biggest news probably too is uh tomorrow construction starts on the uh, grill studio really so super excited about that yeah so have you laid out blueprints and all of this type of stuff now, for folks that don't know, Mike is mega handy. So he's the opposite of me. Runs electric through the house. Like, I would never do that because I'm afraid I would kill me and everybody else in the house or burn it down or all of that included. But Mike, very handy. So how much are you contracting out and how much are you going to do? Yeah, hold your breath. I'm <laughs> contracting all of it out, you which are? is very hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what uh, I just said five seconds ago, folks? Mike is just <laughs> like me because I would be contracting it all out, too. Wow. So how do, how do you trust uh, somebody to do that? Uh, we've got a great guy that's yep. going to be doing it. And honestly, it's just time. I mean, I'm mm. so lucky. You know, I still have the day job, which is not going to be around much longer, thankfully. Uh, but it's just time, Greg. You know, I'm I'm super busy and I just I've got trust in someone else to do it, make it happen. And we're good with that. So I'll, of course, find some small things that I want to do for my own satisfaction. But I've got no problem passing the uh, contractor baton mm. on to somebody else. All right. Well, we can't wait to track the progress starting tomorrow. I will look for an in-person update 18 days from now as we are both at Hartville and once again Mike Lang will be doing live demos right there in Hartville Ohio so if you are within a three or four hour radius I'm telling you totally worth the trip a lot of great internet and just plain culinary pros out there that will be doing sampling but we'll also be doing demoing on stage there's a lot of great sales there's a host of vendor experts that will be there to answer all your questions make sure you're getting yourself in the right cooker sauce rub you name it so come on out to hardville and see mike see me we'll have a great time mike will even sign autographs for five dollars each crisp singular <laughs> bills you can give the money to me and then i'll just collect it and make sure that mike gets it in the end of course <laughs> and it's going to be a great day so mike looking forward to seeing you in just over two weeks and always appreciate the time here on the show yeah i can't wait greg and next time i promise i will not be in the basement amidst all my moving boxes i mean oddly this, so it looks i mean you're you might have the best shot. I'm going to go tight on you here in just a second. But this is all stuff that's like getting ready to go up and get converted. <laughs> but that is just a great shot. You got the uh, the, the street sign over your left shoulder. You got the another pint, please, uh, wood hanger upper thing there over your right shoulder. Some moving boxes. 
the aesthetic is astounding. I mean, the shot is great. You always are like the, the best, most professional shot, which I appreciate as a host oh. and production guy. So thank you very much. Thanks. I found those things. I can't find shit for anything else. So thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you found those. There's Mike. <laughs> we will see him in just a few weeks down at Hartville Hardware. So as I said, if you are close and I'm saying within three hours, come and see us. There's a whole bunch of central lights that are going to be down there that are both local and regional. They like to hang out. They like to sample all the food. They like to share the deals. So get in on it. Why not? I can save those. All right, we are going to step away real quick. We'll come back and wrap the first hour. That was Mike Lang from Another Pint, Please. And you will see him along with me and Captain Ron and Diva Q at the Hartville Hardware Grill Fest 2023 on September 23rd. That's a Saturday. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Welcome back. We thank Mike Lang from Another Pint, please, for joining us last segment. AnotherPintPlease.com Also on the Instagrams AnotherPintPlease If you're not following him You should Not only does he grab uh, great food content As I said in the beginning He loves to Share what's happening behind the scenes So if you see a really great shot If you're really studying the photo Typically he'll tell you what kind of camera he's using Or what kind of lens he's using uh, the f-stop setting, I don't have any idea what that means, but usually there's some f-stop things. I think that has to do with letting light in or not letting light in, or maybe that's exposure quickness, or maybe that's exposure and not f-stop. For folks that appreciate stepping up their photography skills, Mike is there to help you. We're going to step away and reload for the second hour where you will see interviews with Sam the Cooking Guy. You will also see an interview, hopefully, with Charlie Eblin from Single Tree Barbecue. So, refresh your libations and we'll be back in just a minute. Stick around. We'll be right back.